failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Milkers everywhere. Welcome to episode number 276 of Blast Points. This is Jason. This is Gabe. This week, we are talking about one of our favorite subjects to talk about. The return of the Jedi. I never get tired of talking about the old ROTJ. Well, and if anything, we're even more talking about the return of the Jedi in The Return of the Jedi because we're starting at the end of the movie where the Jedi's return. The great debate, <laughs> the forever question, is the return of the Jedi Luke? Is it Anakin? Is it both? I know, and that kind of leads us to what this whole episode is all about. I think it was it was like a couple weeks ago where I was thinking about Return of the Jedi. I was thinking about Star Wars in general, and I was like, how much I love Return of the Jedi and that equaled with how much every time, if you want to have a deep conversation about the heavy stuff in Star Wars, if you want to get some deep thoughts going on, some Star Wars deep thoughts, the ending of Return of the Jedi, specifically everything in the throne room with the Emperor, with Vader, with Luke, all that stuff comes up. You can't avoid it. And all that stuff seems to be echoing all throughout every other Star Wars everything after that. 
Right, because it's as much as things at this point feel like they are part of the Star Wars recipe and have always been part of the Star Wars recipe, it's easy to forget that those things weren't always there. They weren't there necessarily in A New Hope. They weren't there necessarily in Empire Strikes Back. And they weren't there until the the end of Return of the Jedi. And kind of like a lot of stuff, once they were there, it just seems like, oh, yeah, of course, that's what Star Wars is. And much like all of the prequels built off Return of the Jedi, and now as much as people might still say they don't like the prequels, so much of what the prequels brought to Star Wars is now part of what new Star Wars is, which owes itself to Return of the Jedi. So it is just this endless cycle of Star Wars-ness growing off of the Star Wars that came before it. And it makes me think, too, that, like, you know, how people always say, well, you know, Lucas was making it up as he went along, and there, 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 there was no plan, and there was a plan, but there was a plan, but there was it was a shady plan... It was a freaky plan that Lucas had. But in the end, who cares? Because the conclusion is so good for the original trilogy that it like nulls out whether there was a plan or not. Because it all just worked perfectly. Especially when it comes to Luke and Vader and all the themes that are introduced in that incredible ending. Right, because if you remove the very end of Return of the Jedi, the Luke, the Vader, the Emperor stuff, you still have this incredible three-movie story, but you're basically removing the very core heart of what makes Star Wars Star Wars and what makes Star Wars different from other kind of epic stories and, and what people were expecting. Like, it, it, it is almost like... Not that Star Wars is all about twists, but it is kind of like the ultimate twist of the ultimate way to defeat evil is to not fight back. Like, that is just not what people would have expected. And it's such a core of what the philosophy of Star Wars is. Which we're going to get into it as we go on further. We're going to really dig our heels into this stuff. But it's like when I was re-watching the ending of Return of the Jedi this week, getting ready and stuff... It's weird trying to put myself back in the place of where I was when Return of the Jedi came out and how that ending worked for me as a kid versus, I don't know, people that were older than, than us when Return of the Jedi came out, what they thought of it. Because I think the, probably the majority of audiences were right there with Obi-Wan. Like, you got to kill Vader. Like the bad guy has to be killed at the end. Like, I wonder if people thought that like Luke was going to cut off Darth Vader's head or something in the end, kind of like what Lawrence Kasdan was saying. in like those story meetings, like he kills Vader and he puts the helmet on and he says, I'm the master now, you know, like I wonder if people thought that. And I wonder if there were people that were kind of like, huh? At the ending, because I feel like the ending of Return of the Jedi has kind of been used a lot in other film series that have done trilogies because it's like traditionally like the third film is always kind of the weird one. <laughs> it's like it's the it's the one where there's the most expectation like oh this one's going to wrap it all up. It's going to build off the incredible second one and the epic thrilling conclusion. An ending trilogies just seems to be like a really hard thing to do. And 
almost, depending on who you talk to, like Return of the Jedi is one of the only ones that, at least in our opinion, that got it right, that really got it right. But I wonder, I don't know. Do you remember, like, were you ever surprised at the ending of Return of the Jedi? I don't think I ever was because, like, and maybe it was just the age that we were that it was exactly the movie I needed to see. And, like, I never second-guessed it my entire life. Like, <laughs> right? Like, it was like, it was what it was. And it made so much sense to me. I think as a kid, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, and, and maybe it is hard for us to to try to watch it through objective eyes, but I like to think that I can at this point in my life sit back a little bit objectively and watch it, and I still think it works really well. And and it's kind of like as much as the story ends, it's like the unraveling of what is this Jedi Star Wars philosophy too kind of comes to the conclusion there too of Luke doing what Yoda said Jedi are supposed to do and not what really that Obi-Wan and Yoda who were saying that Jedis don't attack people, but you need to go kill Vader. What makes Luke such a cool character is he figured out how to resolve this conflict without violence. And that is really the core of what Star Wars aims to teach people i think that's the ultimate lesson if this movie has a lesson is that's the should be the ultimate goal of like violence isn't the answer and sometimes you got to rebel and sometimes you got to fight but if there's a way to not do that and i think that i don't know it's just that's not a message you usually get in a huge action movie and I, I almost wonder too with the 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 name change from revenge of the jedi to return of the jedi if somewhere in there, there was that thinking, no, we are going to double down on this isn't a story of revenge. There's no revenge in here at all. Jedi doesn't seek revenge, as we all know. This is more about the return of the Jedi and what that really means. You've got to think, too, that by the time Return of the Jedi is in production, is being written, by the time Lucas does decide to change the name from Revenge to Return... By now, he started thinking of the bigger picture. The prequels are something that he knows are going to happen one day. And maybe somewhere in the back of his head, the story of Anakin Skywalker was starting to form. He may have already been thinking how the story of Luke will echo into the story of his father. It's like poetry of rhymes, you know, like the pieces may have been falling into place and I don't know. I wonder how much of that thought process of planning for the the future and the stories and the downfall of Anakin Skywalker, I don't know, went into kind of doing the ending of Return of the Jedi that we have versus maybe the ending that the audience was expecting. Well, and it's also one of those kind of classic at this point, George Lucas moments of like, what's the most outrageous thing that you could do at the end? And it's like, Luke's going to tell Darth Vader he loves him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just sounds outrageous and it kind of is, but it's perfect for the story and he's crazy enough to do it. It's like, I'm going to make this movie where at the end, the, the hero tells the villain that he loves him because he's his dad and, and they're going to, and that's going to do it. That's going to, that's going to end the conflict. And it's, it's kind of outrageous and it's perfect. 
celebrating the return of the Jedi at Highland Mall was at 11 this morning. But the line you see winding around three sides of the theater started forming at 10 for the 140 show. That's how the movie is being received here in Austin on this premiere day. The Return of the Jedi is the third flick of a nine-part series. Its predecessors have broken attendance records and have been highly lucrative for creator George Lucas. The first Star Wars grossed over $300 million, second only to E.T. But the real critics of any film are the moviegoers who pay the cash to get in. It was great. People were just cheering and screaming and yelling and clapping. It uh, answered a lot of questions, but not all of them. There's enough to keep you wanting more. I'm a new woman. <laughs> it's the truth. Good prevails. We will all conquer. It's very good. No, it, it was definitely the greatest science fiction movie ever made. I mean, I was right in there. I, I mean, Lucas, total genius all the way. The sound, the visual. I... It was a total experience. I mean, it's sort of like Star Wars. You want to go see it over and over again. You're going to be back for more? Mm, for sure, as soon as I get back from London. The Force is with more than just the characters in this latest edition of Star Wars. It will be also felt in your wallets, where tickets are going for $4.50 to $5. But then no one seems to mind anyway. Lorraine Woodward, Channel 7 News. So let's start getting into the themes that are introduced in the ending of Return of the Jedi. What we're going to do is we're going to go through them, break them down, talk about how they echo throughout the whole rest of the saga. Gabe, what would you say is the one of the first major themes that exist in the end of Return of the Jedi? Well, one is forgiveness, which you know maybe ties into some of the other ones, but in order for the end of return of the Jedi to happen. Luke has to forgive Vader for everything he's done in order to let him know that he still thinks there's good in him. He still loves him. And ultimately at the end, Vader has to kind of forgive himself enough to feel like he has the opportunity to change, even if it's just for a minute. And that kind of carries over to some of the other characters with Lando being back in Return of the Jedi. I mean, he kind of was a villain up to the end of Empire Strikes Back, but by Return of the Jedi, his friends have all forgiven him. He's part of the the group again. He's a hero. By Return of the Jedi, you could say that Yoda is forgiving himself for, I think, what Yoda probably sees as the failure of the downfall of the Jedi that we saw in Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and I guess you could say the same thing with Obi-Wan as well. If Luke does what Obi-Wan couldn't and writes the wrong that Obi-Wan probably had trouble forgiving himself for, which was failing Anakin. Which I think that will be something super fascinating going on with the, the Kenobi show. I think that theme of forgiveness has to be a major part of that show, of Obi-Wan beginning to learn to forgive himself, you know, as he stands on that cliff and Sith and again says, I failed you. And now he's already spent like what, 10 years on Tatooine watching over Luke. I think he's starting to get a glimpse of what the future is. You know, you even get that in the twin sons episode of rebels, right? 
And even thinking about forgiveness in the, the sequel trilogy, I mean, I think of Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, and Han. I mean, I think of the, you know, the scene in Rise of Skywalker with the ghost of Han or whatever happens in that moment. You know, I think that is a, a major moment of Star Wars forgiveness. Yeah, honestly, that might be the biggest one because it's it's basically the whole point of that scene in a way is him forgiving himself so he can move on to the next unfortunately brief chapter of his life. I miss you, son. So does Deb. Now. Kylo Ren is dead. My son is alive. You're just a memory. Your memory. Come home. It's too late. She's gone. Your mother's gone. But what she stood for, what she fought for, that's not gone. The end of Last Jedi is kind of Luke forgiving himself as well. You know, he had some of the same hangups of of dealing with failure, and part of dealing with failure is ultimately forgiving yourself and moving on and and moving past the failure. And that's kind of, I mean, that's Last Jedi, at least from Luke's perspective. And yeah, and that's the thing that then with the prequels is that there's a lot of things that probably could have been or should have been forgiven in the prequels with characters. But that's kind of the whole point that it's, it's setting up everything that later is forgiven in the, the later episodes. Yeah. It's almost the closest would be maybe the Obi-Wan Anakin little chat uh, in revenge of the Sith before the last time they see each other as, as friends. Well, it'll even be interesting too how that theme goes forward in future future seasons of the Mandalorian. Even like what whatever happens in Din's quest to find Grogu, will Din look at the decision to let him go and to follow the orders that he thought he had to do from the armorer? His whole life of just kind of probably just following orders. If he looks at that as I made a mistake. I shouldn't have let Grogu go. I mean, I think obviously that's going to be the thing and kind of living with kind of that kind of same kind of thing of feeling guilty. I did something wrong. I hope Grogu forgives me. Well, and I, it may be even more interesting to see in Book of Boba Fett too, as far as how that factors in with the new older, wiser Boba Fett. Is it going to cross paths with Luke Skywalker? Those two probably don't like each other that much. And is that going to be something that we see leading to conflict or is that something that they're both able to move beyond and, or, and other people? I mean, I'm sure Boba hasn't made a lot of friends and, but you know, actually, you know, that's a good point with Mandalorian. I mean, just um, in Mandalorian with Mayfield, there's definitely some forgiveness coming into play, especially in the, in the episode with the, them in the truck just talking as far as, you know, some of it forgiving themselves and then some of it just their relationship kind of going from really hating each other to kind of moving beyond that and becoming at least understanding each other by the end of the episode, which is part of forgiving someone is understanding their perspective. So, yeah, it's definitely 
one of those themes that kind of weaves its way through Star Wars. Hey, I'm just a realist. I'm a survivor, just like you. Let's get one thing straight. You and I are nothing alike. I don't know, seems to me like your rules start to change when you get desperate. I mean, look at you. You said you couldn't take your helmet off, and now you got a Stormtrooper one on, so what's the rule? Is it that you can't take off your Mando helmet or you can't show your face? Because there is a difference. Look, I'm just saying. We're all the same. Everybody's got their lines they don't cross until things get messy. Closely related to forgiveness is another major theme of the end of Return of the Jedi. Redemption. And I think yeah, that was the big one in Return of the Jedi with Vader's fa- final sacrifice throwing the Emperor over the ledge into the the seemingly bottomless pit. And they do seem closely related, but I guess in a way, you know, Vader did the right thing, and part of that may have been forgiving himself to be redeemed, but that doesn't mean that Leia ever forgived him or anyone else in the galaxy, and does that make it any more or less a redemption? is doing the right thing enough. And I think in Star Wars universe, it is. It's it's this hyper fairy tale world. And the important thing is anyone can change if they want to. And that's the important part, not keeping score of how bad this person is or that person is. It's almost like it's a, a personal choice to do the right thing. And at that point, you're you've redeemed yourself, whether or not, people are forgiving you i guess is kind of the how they go together and and are the same yet different it all goes hand in hand with ben solo with luke skywalker in the last jedi you know even the moment in in mandalorian when din is in the cockpit of the razor crest and he's looking at the ball you know at that moment that is a change in himself that he goes under could that count as redemption in a way for his sin, his, his, his past, whatever he did as a bounty hunter? Maybe. I don't know. It's a, pers- it's a moment of personal change and kind of taking control of your own destiny, which is something that happens over and over and over again in Star Wars. We're even seeing it like every single week in Bad Batch. Well, and that's, I think, what's really nice now with these kind of longer Star Wars stories with the television shows is you can get, you know, with Mandalorian, you got that moment of, okay, he's changing. The redemption is there. He's doing the right thing. And instead of it resolving by the end of the movie and kind of being done, we're getting to see as the show progresses him working for that redemption and actually, you know, putting in the work to make it something that maybe other people will forgive him and not just him forgiving himself. To the point where Boba Fett thinks he's a nice guy now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you if you think of it in that way, like what kind of started in Return of the Jedi with the redemption between Luke and Vader, both of them choosing their own way to be against the way everyone wants them to be. And, you know, you think of everything, like you think of Jyn Erso, you think of even Han Solo from the movie Solo to later in the films. You you think of the crew from Rebels. You think of everything we've seen with Ahsoka Tano. I mean, you could even apply that thought to like Darth Maul of choosing your own path. 
yeah, it's all over the place in Star Wars. But actually, I'm glad you mentioned it because it, it's like so obvious that I didn't even think about of how basically Rogue One, the entire movie is Star Wars Redemption, the movie where you have an entire crew of people who have been more or less the bad guys and are all kind of deciding, you know what, it's not too late for us to do the right thing. It's the, that's the entire movie. <laughs> it's it's like, <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. So. Well, and I don't think, you know, to bring it back to the genius of Return of the Jedi, I don't think that movie gets enough credit for the fact that Luke is just wailing on Vader, just wailing on him. And in that moment, he stops and looks at his hand and has that like freak out moment where he, then he throws down his saber and he chooses his own destiny. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. And then after that moment, also Vader chooses his own destiny. And it's just like, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm a Jedi too. I'm still somewhere in here. I'm still Anakin Skywalker. It's done twice in like the span of like 15 minutes. Our main villain and our main hero of the, the three movies we've just watched and I don't know if someone was like telling me this, okay, this is what we're going to do at the end of this, the third part of this trilogy based on the most successful movie of all time at that time. I'd be like, maybe that's a little crazy. I don't know. Maybe just one redemption, but that's the genius of return of the Jedi. It works. Well, and it's really great when you think about too, that the big cliffhanger ending twist of empire strikes back was holy cow, Luke and Darth Vader are related. And at that moment, it's like the worst thing that could happen to Luke. But by Return of the Jedi, he's totally flipped it to the absolute best thing that could have happened to Luke is to be related to Vader because they have that bond now and just bringing home how powerful the bond of family is. And if Luke wasn't Vader's son, he would have lost. And it's just that, you know twist on the twist and 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 the George Lucas thing of giving you what you expect but complete opposite in a way or not how you expect it and yeah this ultimate horrible thing became the best possible thing uh in the end i had a problem with in the fight between between luke and his father of why he makes the final turn luke makes the final turn to the bad side of the forest and we got down to that point underneath the underneath the throne room there and he said, you know, the script sort of said, Vader uh, says something that upsets Luke or something vague like that. Uh, I, I, I can't remember exactly what the script said, but it was very vague. And we didn't have that actual moment that we needed where Luke, you, you got the sense that Luke is hiding. He's not going to fight him. He refuses to fight. He'd rather die first. And then something turns him around and makes him fight. Uh, and I had never really come up with a satisfactory answer to that, of what he could possibly say that would set Luke off. And then it just, I say, in the process of evolving the script and, and evolving the importance of, of Leah as the sister, uh, you know, it was, it was sitting right there in front of my face and it became obvious that uh, turning her to the dark side would be the thing that would set Luke off again. If you will not turn to the dark side... Then perhaps she will. Yeah, I mean, so that kind of brings us to another kind of core 
Star Wars thing of love and family in that the Force is, is pretty powerful, but the only thing more powerful than the Force is love and, and especially love for your family. And it's whether your family by blood or your family by choice, which is your friends, that that even the Emperor tries to make fun of Luke for that. Your faith in your friends is your weakness and... That's actually not his weakness. That's his ultimate strength. I love the way Return of the Jedi 2 then later plays on the thing that brings Luke out. When Luke is hiding, it's, I will not fight you. And Vader is skulking around your sister. And that's what bring Luke, brings Luke out into like a fit of rage. Never! And in a way... It is his weakness because that's what makes him fight. And that's what brings out the dark side in Luke is when Vader threatens Leia. And then you think of how the last Jedi played with that too, where the thing that really had Luke in isolation on the island was the fact that he failed Leia in training Ben, that they trusted him and he let them down and he blames himself. And he still kind of sees that as maybe that is my weakness. And it twists that thing of redemption and forgiveness where it kind of takes Ray coming to the island and then the, the gut punch of his conversation with Yoda in The Last Jedi to kind of make Luke realize that, no, my, it's not my weakness, it's my strength. Well, that whole thing is great in another way, too. I think I don't always think about because the movie doesn't specifically draw attention to it. But Luke tells the Emperor his overconfidence is your weakness. It really kind of is because as much as Luke's kind of hot button being him, his family in a way, you know, when Vader brings up sister, Luke goes crazy and gets angry. But as far as we know, if Vader there's still good in him, right? And he's thinking about his son. I'm sure realizing he has a daughter as well would contribute to his ultimate change and sacrifice that not only is he saving his son, he, he didn't know he had. He now has a daughter out there who he makes sure to mention at the end of the movie, tell your sister that you were right. Like it definitely, that affected him. So as much as it made Luke kind of lose control it just pushed Vader even farther to the light. Yeah, Vader even says, Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Like, he, Vader's already starting to put this whole thing together in his head. Like, man, I got played. And you think of that whole thing with the Sith viewing family and love as a weakness, and you think of the prequels and the, the big thing with the... F you know, the fall of Anakin Skywalker and the rise of Darth Vader is that lie, that big lie that the Emperor tells Vader that he killed Padme and therefore killed the unborn, what Vader thinks at that time, child, which is not true. Well, and it's interesting because it is almost a thing in a way that the Jedi and the Sith agree on because the Jedi don't want Jedi to have families because they don't want, because they know the bond of family is stronger than the force really and even though palpatine uses it as a as a way to manipulate anakin 
he knows the power of family as well, which is why he makes sure that Vader thinks they're gone too, because they kind of both acknowledge that as, you know, as powerful as the force is the, the bonds of family are kind of the ultimate power in the universe, which seems like a very George Lucas thing. And again, you think of that with every week in the bad batch, like, and especially, I think, especially rebels, I think Rebels was Star Wars family. Families are the most powerful thing in the universe this show. And with Rebels not being a blood relation family, but a family by friends, like you said, or by association, they were a family. And I think the Ahsoka show is going to be further expanding on that. If there is still the quest of where the heck is Thrawn, what the heck happened to Ezra, you know, if Sabine is in the show, I think it's going to be a, a huge thing. That's the bond that can't be broken in Star Wars. The the bonds of family are forever. And yeah, the fact that Ezra's out there and, and the ghost crew is still alive, they're never going to stop looking for him. As for me, I used to think that Ezra was counting on me to protect Lothal, the planet and the people he cared for so much. But one day... I realized there was more to it. There was something else I was meant to do. Ezra's out there somewhere, and it's time to bring him home. One of the next big things, and this is one that people talk about a lot with Return of the Jedi, is nature versus technology. And I know it's re- it's really easy to be like, oh, you know, in the battle for Endor, not the film so much, but the battle for Endor in Return of the Jedi, the whole battle for Endor is a whole other story. <laughs> we talk about family of Noah, Sindel, Teak, it's a whole other thing. You know, with the Empire versus the Ewoks. But I don't know, like, I think of more like, again, the moment when Luke cuts off Vader's hand. And he sees all the wires and everything coming out. And again, he looks down at his hand. And that's the moment where he throws down his saber. And it is this whole thing going on throughout so much of Star Wars. This losing oneself in the technology. He's more machine now than man, twisted and evil. And again, I think this is a very George Lucas thing that, you know, George Lucas essentially is a hippie from California from the late sixties and, you know, kind of this not fully giving in to technology, which is so interesting when George Lucas so embraced technology to tell the stories he wanted to tell, but the star Wars films where they are covered in the, the fanciest technology are all stories very much about human things, like everything that we're talking about here in this episode and maybe that's, you know, it's the interesting parallel going on within just all of Star Wars. Well, it's almost like as in the movies, they're always talking about balance dealing with the force. But really, the, the nature versus technology does, to me, seem more of less that, you know, one is right and one is wrong as much as it is about the balance to the balance of nature and technology and that there is a balance that works. But when it gets out of balance is where the problems are, which, you know, when you become more machine than man, because yeah, the star Wars universe is just nothing but 
technology and it's kind of it doesn't seem like the ultimate goal is to go go on an island like Luke where there's no technology, right? Like that really wasn't that was too far the other direction and that it is like anything in life, finding the balance between the good and the bad, the nature and the technology and and finding that sweet spot where everything is in harmony. As long as you just have your cell phone in your shirt pocket, you're good. <laughs> That's the balance. When you, I mean, you bring up the Luke on the island and in the end with him projecting himself into the battle and saving everyone, he didn't need technology. He didn't even need a ship to go there. You know, the technology was within him almost, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting way to think about it all. Well, I think it, it just, it kind of ties into the whole thing of, of that's where is the line between what's good technology and bad technology? Cause even using Luke on the Island, he didn't catch fish with the force. He didn't, he turned the force off. He used a stick and a stick is technology. So it's a tool, right? So it's kind of <laughs> figuring out where that, threshold of what's too much i guess and and being aware of that is kind of maybe a subliminal thing in star wars it's not that technology is bad it's that letting it dominate your existence you know it's the star wars word but finding that balance between where where, what's too much and what's the right amount use the force to I don't know how related it is, but it makes me think of just mass in Star Wars where you think of Kylo Ren relying so much on his mask in Force Awakens and then destroying it in The Last Jedi and spending the majority of that movie without the mask. And you think of the the ending of Mandalorian Season 2 with Din taking off the mask. And, you know, for both characters, their mask was part of who they were. And, you know, and maybe that's another theme of Return of the Jedi, too, of just mass and the removal of mass and showing one's, like, own face and kind of what that means. It's almost like letting go of, you know, whatever that mask represents, of the face you're showing to other people, whether that's Darth Vader or Kylo Ren or the Mandalorian, and at that moment just being your true self. Whatever that means, and through, I think for all of those characters, going through something, like stripping down of who you really are, and in that moment taking off the mask and kind of showing, this is who I am. Right. And even when taking the mask off is potentially not easy or good for you, because in Vader's case, like, if he takes it off, he'll die, but it was worth it to be true to himself and be true to his son that he would rather not exist anymore than have to exist not as him, his true self and be hidden behind the mask. And with Din, the only one keeping the mask on was him, but now it, you know, taking it off, it's going to have probably consequences with the other. He'll probably have issues with the other children of the watch. And for him, it's probably worth the risk, worth the, uh, the trouble because 
it was worth being his true self for his new little space son. And no, that's Return of the Jedi. So that's it's like in case you didn't catch it, they threw Luke Skywalker in there just to rub, just to remind you the genius of Return of the Jedi. Have I said in this episode before that I think Return of the Jedi is genius? You didn't have to because we already know. <laughs> I already know. And these are just the ones that we thought of. I'm sure there there are other themes out there that other people have taken out of the end of Return of the Jedi with Luke and Vader and the Emperor and everything that goes on in that scene. Well, and I think if anything, that's maybe that's the 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 legacy and the the genius of Return of the Jedi is as much as it went big and it went wild and it went crazy, it dug just as deep into the emotions and, and feelings and it went big in both directions. And a lot of movies either aren't able to, or don't think to do both. And when you have, you know, a three movie story kind of coming to an end, I think you kind of need both. You need, the big and the deep. That's what I'm going to say from now on, where someone says, why is Return of the Jedi your favorite Star Wars movie? It's the big and the deep. <laughs> the big deep. That's all I want. <laughs> I had to make a decision about whether I was really going to go through with this thing of him being his father. And uh, finally decided that that really was the way, I and mean, that was the original story, and that was the one I really liked the most, and so I'd stick with it. After Darth Vader has been this become been thrust into this huge persona that I never expected to have happen. Uh, do I still take the mask off and have him be this funny little man? Well, again, my, I sort of came to the decision of that was the original story, that's the way it should be, and if the public can't deal with it, then what can I do about it? A lot of people have objected to the fact that there's a human in there at all. But the film is about human frailties. It's not about monsters. Luke, help me take this mask off. But you'll die. Nothing can stop that now. Just for once, let me look on you with my own eyes. of Jabba the Hutt to the Death Star of the Galactic Empire to the forest city of the Ewoks this is the climactic chapter in the Star Wars saga remember the force rejoice in the triumph return of the Jedi rated PG now playing at a theater in your galaxy
Okay, so Apple Podcast Reviews. It has been a while since we were able to, to read any of your reviews on the show, but we've got time. Let's do some. Gabe, what's our first Apple Podcast Review? All right, first review is Great Show by NGO9000. And it says, just wanted to say, keep up the great work. I have been listening since the beginning of 2021. Not only enjoy the regular Star Wars content, but also really enjoying the indie year content as I love Raiders and that franchise as a whole. Thanks for all the effort you put into the show, and I look forward to what's to come. All right. Thank you, Indigo9000. Nice to know we have at least one indie year fan out there, so it's, it was all worth it. So the next one is titled My Absolute Favorite Podcast by Ron is a Rod 333. And Ron is a Rod writes, I love this podcast so much. I can't express how happy this podcast makes me. Simply the best Star Wars podcast out there. Whoa, Ron is a Rod. Whoa. Yeah, thank you. I don't know if that's true, but we'll we'll take it. That's some bold talk. <laughs> yeah. But yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And next we have Awesome from DCOX2012. And they write, I love Blast Points Podcast. I love it when you guys come out with new Mandalorian and Bad Batch episodes. And I love your impressions of George Lucas and all the other people you do. Keep it up and may the force wow. be with you. Well, DC Ox 2012, I love when you write those reviews. <laughs> the last one is The Bomb by Plo Koons BC, which I think is Plo Koons Book Club on Instagram. And it says, Blast Points has been the bomb since 2016, and they'll continue to be the bomb as long as they do this podcast. You won't find a more fun Star Wars podcast out there. Listening to them every Tuesday is one of the highlights of my week. Well, Plo Koon's Book Club, this review is the bomb. And it always has been. So, yeah, we love reading these reviews. If you want to go and add to this list, please do it on Apple Podcasts. It helps the show in weird ways. It helps people find Blast Points when they look up Star Wars Podcasts. And clearly, clearly by what you just heard, we love reading them. No, I just want to say, I saw the uh, original one when I was a kid. And actually, I saw all three of them, and uh, it was the bomb then, and I think it's going to be the bomb now. That's about all I can say. You don't, You didn't like it? No, 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 no. The bomb means it's good. Oh, okay. What's up, Jason and Gabe? It's uh, Taylor Gray, uh, excuse me, Ezra Bridger here, Spectre 6, uh, reporting into Blast Points Podcast. Just wanted to say what's up, and uh, may the force be with you. See you guys. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. Check out our website, blastpointspodcast.com, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, you better be in the Super Chill group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon every week. We have got our Bad Batch review episodes, even though Bad Batch is coming to the final episodes, final sweaty 
crazy episodes of the Bad Batch. <laughs> We're getting down to the what? There's two left as of as of today. So, oh my god. Ooh, but we will be there on Patreon with episodes for those. And let's take the time right now to give a shout out to all the new members of the Blast Points Army. Thank you to Patrick, Angela, and Jack. Thank you all so much for signing up out there. Thank you guys so much. But that about wraps up number 276 here. Return the Jedi. Everything's about Return the Jedi. Those reviews that we read secretly, they're all about Return the Jedi. Brushing your teeth in the morning reminds me of Return the Jedi. We love Return the Jedi so much that there's a secret Return of the Jedi podcast on iTunes that we just write five-star reviews to because we just want to tell Return of the Jedi how much we love it. I send Return of the Jedi a Christmas card in the mail every year. I just put Dear Return of the Jedi on the envelope and put it in the mailbox. It never gets returned to me, so I think it goes to Return of the Jedi wherever it lives. I send Return of the Jedi a card, a dozen roses, and a box of chocolates every year for Valentine's Day because I love it so much. I believe it. I believe it. But sometimes Phantom Menace gets jealous, and I have to send it a card, too. You can't just text Phantom Menace. That's just rude. That's when you actually got to put a card in the mail for. So on that note, everyone, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with a very special episode of Blast Points, one that you're not going to want to miss. It's going to be a quality episode that you will value forever. (laughs) But that's next week. But until then, thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. (laughs) 